Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
just hit a train hose, put them on the main road. But I am still thirsty. Folks, welcome to an all new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. How the heck are we doing? Uh, listen, the release schedule right now has been a little wonky. I would have loved to have had this for you Tuesday morning instead of Tuesday afternoon. In fact, I thought I wasn't going to release today at all. But then I figured, why just sit around and worry about life when I could watch these ladies of Real Housewives of Orange County completely try to destroy each other? I'm especially looking at you, Tamara. Napkin throw, napkin throw, napkin throw. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to recap the entire episode of this past week's Real Housewives of Orange County, which I thought was an excellent episode. Last week when they were still in Montana, I thought it was just a filler episode. Or you have those building block episodes where I know they're necessary, but sometimes you're like, oh my God, just... Just sleep in the tent. Just sleep in the tent in Montana and just call it a day. But now we are back on the terra firma of Orange County. Everything was so good about this episode. Or I'm just starved for um, content. <laughs> How is everybody doing out there? Are you good? I, I always uh, I always need to check on you. Listen, this has been a very challenging week on top of a challenging month, on top of a challenging year, and I think a lot of us might feel the same way. So when we can, if we can, join together, listen, or if you're watching on YouTube, hello. Uh, you know, we can get we can get our yayas out. We can we can try to make light, maybe make a couple of interesting points. That, that I'm not promising that, but maybe we can and kind of study this behavior of these women, almost like we were going into battle with them, which by the way, you're not going to convince me that Tamara Judge does not come in with an agenda. Now, I know she likes to say, I don't, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, she'd be very flustered and frustrated and angry that that would be being said about her. But I believe that is to be the truth. I, um, I tweeted this or Instagrammed it or all of those things on over the weekend. And I did mean this uh, mainly about Tamara because I've watched this episode of OC like four or five times, but I have to tell you four of those five times, it was just on in the background just to have background noise. I don't know if you guys do that, but that'll be my my pattern too, is that I'll just have some sort of housewives going on in the background because even if I'm not paying attention to it, I feel like by osmosis, it will become a part of my DNA. I will I will bond with the show even if I'm not fully paying attention to it. I will tell you that when you do just fully watch it without your phone, you're sometimes like, holy shit, I, I've been missing so much by being on my phone the entire time I've been watching this. So it is fun to go back and re-watch these episodes, or maybe at least it's just fun for me. I don't know if I would recommend that for everybody. Uh, before we get in started here, just remember, if you do like the show, please leave it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe. That's huge. You want to subscribe to the show now. So if anything happens to the show, anything changes with the show, if you are subscribed, you will know immediately and, and the RSS feed will 
beam this show right into whatever device you're listening to it on. And YouTube, make sure you subscribe as well. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. On Friday, we're going to be doing a Patreon live, I believe around 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm keeping on, keeping on here. It's been, um, it's just been wild. I I have now family members coming in to visit with my mom and, and you guys, your cards and gifts keep coming for my mom. And, and it's just, I say it, it's overwhelming. Um, uh, Lisa Spiro, one of our listeners, uh, she sent my mom this beautiful ivory cross yesterday that my mom just absolutely, I mean, that's, my mom loves the crosses, uh, which by the way, don't, I, I don't, I'm not meaning to send a bunch of crosses. I'm just saying this was beautiful and it really did mean the world to her. And, uh, it is one of those things I'm going through a little bit of a, at a time with her and reading these and, uh, it's overwhelming. It's, it, and it's some, uh, it's, it's very overwhelming. And you guys say such nice things about me and the show. And that is just overwhelming. And I can only do a little bit of that at the time because it brushes up against my, you know, it's so weird. Like why the fact that I do this, but at the same time, I don't like attention sometimes. It is so bizarre. I I don't know. It's it's gonna be one of my one of life's greatest mysteries for me. So in fact, I'm I'm so embarrassed even talking about it that I'm like, okay, tell me how you guys are again. You're good, you're good. Okay, good. Good. Now, tons of things have been going on in the Bravo universe. You'll have another episode this week where I will finally be talking about my thoughts on Bethany Frankel. I believe on Wednesday, I'm a guest on um, Zach Peters' show, No Filter. We recorded that uh, this week, and that was really fun. Very fun episode. I had a really good time guesting on that show. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. You know, please always let us know what you need, what you want to hear. If we're, we're able to accommodate that, great. Uh, Sandra and Medita, who work with me, um, you know, if I'm not answering, they're always a good person to go through potentially. And uh, like I always say, if there's an organizer out there that is willing to just live with me and walk me through everything I need to do, I'm open, baby. I'm open. Um, okay. Can we, can, let's get into the good stuff. Now, Real Housewives of Orange County, uh, this episode is called Oh Nobu You Didn't. Oh Nobu You Didn't, like, oh no, you didn't. But Nobu, of course, being the restaurant that Heather DeBro has single-handedly kept in business. If you'll remember Heather DeBro's return when she had the big mansion party at her place last season, um, and then she called it off before most of the dinner was served, and it was like $30,000 worth of raw fish that was not eaten. You know, $30,000 of raw fish, that's like one of my wet dreams. I'm like, I, I joked last season when I recapped the show, I was like, should I just like live in the dumpsters? Can you imagine those dumpsters? Or can you imagine, I would just be shoving ahi tuna down my gullet. It would just be like, sorry, diet, you're going to have to wait until next week because I got this fish to eat. Like it truly was insane. And that to me is bringing wealth back to the housewives. But it is interesting with Heather DeBro in particular, you're seeing a lot of the women brush up against that this season and not like it all of a sudden of like, wait a sec, Heather, I don't like you all of a sudden. It is very interesting. And Tamara's introduction or reintroduction to this show, I think has been, it has uh, breathed new life into the show in a lot of ways, but like, I, uh, sorry, I, God, I just realized I forgot what I, well, I, God, I Instagrammed the other day. I forgot. I just mentioned this and then I moved on, but I didn't tell you what I uh, tweeted was that I said, when somebody tells you who they are, and then I put in, you know, comma on multiple seasons of housewives show 
shows, believe them, believe them. And I meant that about Tamara because all of these women, you know, reacting to Tamara, you know, is that they don't see Tamara's agenda, Tamara's game plan. Like I said, Tamara will never admit to having a game plan, but you would be ignorant to think that she doesn't. She does the same game plan every time and it works every time. And then people, and let's use Jen, the newbie, Jen Pedranti, who is the new housewife, you know, she legitimately is shocked because it's her first year on the show. So she truly is shocked, which is interesting to see a real live reaction of like, wait a sec, Tamara, I thought you were my friend. What? Why are you throwing me under the bus and just burning my body into charred little pieces? You know, but the other ladies have seen this season in, season out, and they even don't seem to really be able to legitimately put it together. And I'm screaming at home on this girl, like, are you seeing what Tamara's doing? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Anytime things blow up, Tamara will throw something, run out of the scene, and then come back with a more intense anger, even though she does not deserve to have that anger. And people are legitimately scared or confused about her enough that they will never legitimately call her out. The closest we get to that, this episode, is Emily Simpson, which, by the way, Emily Simpson, a appreciation day on so bad it's good she was gone for that montana trip wasn't there but she came back guns blazing and you know she might not be appreciated the way that i think she deserves to be because she is often you know uh she does assists she is a team player in the sense that you can throw her the ball and sometimes she's carrying the ball and getting the the layup or scoring the touchdown or whatever sports reference you want to make that I don't watch sports, so I don't know if I'm doing the right ones. But she legitimately had so many good moments in this where she was able to really hone in on the issue, remind people of what Tamara does, say exactly what Gina is upset about with Heather. Like she's able, she's comfortable enough in her fifth season in to call these things out and do it self-assuredly, but also do it with the Emily Simpson pizzazz. And yeah, I'm, I'm saying she has a little pizzazz. I'm saying she's finally, um, you know, it might, might've taken a couple of seasons, but she's gotten there and I really love it. Now, Gina, what's going on here? I don't know. I'm upset because you're not my friend. <laughs> Poor Gina, man. Like Gina really is like trying this season trying the season. But from a viewer's perspective and that viewer being me, is that sometimes I feel like we take a step back to hear Gina's perspective. Now, Emily is playing it perfectly because she's playing into everyone's game. Like, in, like not playing into it, but pointing out everyone's game instead of Emily saying, look at me, look at me. Now, Gina's taking that other path, but sometimes the look at me, look at me, I feel like it's not the right time or place for that sometimes. I could be alone on that, but that's just something. So whenever she starts, I'm just like, Oh, man. Yeah, I'm glad you're participating. Really great participation trophy for you. But it's not, I don't know. For me, Emily is way more effective. And I know those are, you know, we pair those up too much, a lot, because they're actually really good friends. But it sometimes is lacking for me. And you have all of these big personalities. And Gina is a big personality. But I feel like she's sometimes losing the plot. She's not, you know, she's pointing out things or slowing things down. So the driving action, which you would say between Tamara and Jen Pedranti, uh, Heather Dubrow, and just her general behavior with everybody, 
And then, you know, Heather, I mean, because you have Taylor Armstrong in that Heather has issues with. You have Heather and Tamara's relationship. You have Heather and how she treats Emily and Gina. Those are, to me, the big storylines so far is Heather and everybody. And then Tamara with Jen in particular. But I think there could be a larger issue to be made with how Tamara just operates on this show that we fully have not like succinctly called out. But I also want to remind you guys, people that dis disagree with me or anything like that, which amazing, you're wrong. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, is that I can dislike how Tamara operates and still appreciate how good she is as a housewife. Like we need that. It does drive action. Now I just get upset because I'm like, why is nobody calling this shit out effectively? It truly not uh, to bring up another sports uh, reference that I will not be able to really pull off. It just feels like, why is no one covering her? Why is no one able to tackle her? She's able to like, kind of just slither her way through and get to the end zone time and time again. And I feel like sometimes that is unearned, but in saying that it gives us stuff to talk about. I love being upset by a housewife. It is so fun. Now, do I know Tamara in real life? No, but I do think there's a pattern of behavior that you can point out with Tamara that you can prove with show clips, podcast clips, just how she operates that I think I'm pretty correct in uh, in my calculations, as uh, Andy's son, son, Ben, would say. Oh, my God. Isn't Andy's son, Ben, just the cutest? And their car rides where Ben is like, Daddy, Daddy. My calculations say I'm going to have a bad day at camp. And Andy's like, well, my calculations say you're going to have a good day at camp. He's like, no, daddy, no, these are my calculations. And it is so fun because Andy, even though he's dealt with housewives for 17 seasons, he has met his match. This Ben is just like, daddy, my calculations. I went and saw Oppenheimer this weekend. And every time they said calculations on screen, I just thought about Ben. I was like, I wonder what. Ben's calculations would be for the atomic bomb. And then the other, I think it was just yesterday, uh, he was driving with Ben and uh, Ben pointed out like, daddy, you said you weren't going to correct my calculations anymore. And Andy goes, you know what? Yeah, I did say that. I did say that. So if your calculations say you're going to have a bad day at camp, well, I guess you're going to have a bad day at camp. That sucks, bud. And I was like, whoa, look at that. Ben won. Ben won. But at the same time, I think Andy won as well, right? Like, it, it almost made me want to have kids, to have cute little conversations like that, which would probably then haunt me for the rest of that week. <laughs> so what I want to clarify, though, is when I dislike a housewife, that's kind of gold for me. It makes me feel something. It gets me outraged. I love it. I love it. But I also want to clarify, a lot of people will be like, oh, horrible. Get them off the show. I don't want people fired from the show. If they choose to come or Bravo chooses to let them leave or make them leave, that's great. That's on them. I don't want Tamara gone. It's great to talk about these things. It gives us something to talk about, to argue about, to laugh about, all of those things. That, to me, is exciting. It is so much more fun to cover this season of Real Housewives of Orange County than it has the previous season, even though I did like certain elements, I feel like they really have the right casting here. And it's fun to see Heather on her heels this season a little bit, which she is not used to doing. So wanted to give that opening salvo, the opening shot for this. This is episode seven. Like I said, oh, no, boo, you didn't. 
And this is the description the cable company gives us if we were just flipping by and goes, what's this Real Housewives of Orange County that I've never watched before? Should we start with episode seven? Well, let's see, honey. What does it say it's about? Well, the cable company or Peacock says, Gina questions her friendship with Heather. Right then, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't need it. No. Gina questions her friendship with Heather. Heather throws a dinner party at Nobu. So it's a very simple description. But like I always say, how I would change it, I would say, Tamara throws a fucking napkin at Jen, throws her friend under the bus, and some shit with Heather goes down. That's what I would. And and, and maybe Shannon Bedore has a scene with John Jansen. Also, for you guys new to the show, um, John Jansen hasn't appeared a lot this season. John Jansen was Shannon Bedore's boyfriend at the time. They since broke up after the season, even though I think they still hang out all the time from what I hear in first-person accounts. Uh, but I used to do – because John Jansen, to me, just to explain again, he seems like he's so buttoned up. And he's always like, babe, I, it's great. But I, you you sense there's potentially this, this wide pit of like unresolved anger with him in him. And I don't mean with Shannon, but it is funny to see in those scenes with Shannon because they're always having a drink and grilling on the queue. And he's like, I'm John Jansen. Yeah, Shannon, I think that's great. I'm just really worried. You're so busy all the time. I'm John Jansen. He always seems like he's about to potentially lose it. And then he's like, no, John, keep it in. Keep it bottled in. We don't want to lose it. We've got a nice, we've got a nice dock front property under the bridge. We're grilling on the queue. Everything is, I'm John Jansen. Don't worry. My mom's at a doctor's appointment, so she can't hear me screaming. Wee. Okay. We open as we always do. We get shots of the OC. We get people laying out on the beach we see some bums we see some like chess everything's oc like we get that little incidental music like doo, 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 boop, boop, doo, doo. we're in the oc we zoom on over to tamra's uh house and her son ryan you know ryan ryan tamra's uh tamra's son ryan who now works up on a ranch he's wearing his big shit kickers got a hat on it's probably dipping Probably doing a open carry on the firearms. He works on a ranch now, folks, you know, and that ranch has taught him a great deal. He's a cowboy now. Yeah, of course, we've seen Ryan through the years go through a lot of phases, kind of like when I was really into Batman and then I was into Star Wars and then I kind of flipped entirely and went on to Housewives. Well, Ryan. Tamara's son, Ryan, has done that with uh, just lifestyle choices. He was a punk at one point, loved to get tats on his lip. Then he got into tattoo culture on top of that. And then he got into guns. And then from there, guns was kind of that gateway into the wild, wild west. And he turned on Yellowstone and said, damn, that looks pretty good. I wonder if I could do that. And then somewhere on that ranch, he must have met a bunch of people with a certain accent. And between multiple viewings of Yellowstone and working on that ranch, he has developed an accent that he has never had before. You know, it's just that's how it goes in the wild, wild west. So we open up at Tamara's, Ryan in the full cowboy gear. And Tamara's like, you know, I here's our dog's ashes. I, I made one for each of you kids. And Tamara's like, I gave you the ass end of the dog. And then 
He's like, well, that's the best part. Oh, boy, that is the best part of the dog. <laughs> then we zip out of that scene, and we go over to Jen and Ryan, Jen, the new housewife, and Ryan, the guy that sent a flaccid dick pic, just to Jen, nobody else. And he's supposedly this big ladies' man that loves to hit on married women. I don't know why I'm still doing a Texas accent. I'll try to stop, but it is just so infectious. I understand why Tamerson likes it so much. And they're paddleboarding in the OC. And then they're being cutesy. And Ryan's like, hey, give me a kiss right now. And if a bird flies over and shits on us, that's magical luck. And I'm like, Ryan, you are super weird. How many Ryans are there in Orange County? And then Jen's like, you're such a four-year-old as he's banging his paddleboard boat into the airboat. We cut on over to Emily and her kids and Shane. They're all having a fun old day. And Emily lets us know that she's like, hey, I wanted to have a party at your mom's backyard. Just a casual, fun pool day. And, you know, and then she goes, Annabelle, have you ever seen a slip and slide? Because she wants to have a slip and slide for the ladies, which that'll probably be next week, which I'm already just banking on a Shannon Bedore slip and slide where it's not even on the actual slip and slide. It's just that usually Shannon Bedore will slip and slide in every scene. She just kind of falls because she doesn't have any core strength, it seems like. And Annabelle's like, wait, slip and slide for women? And Shane's like, yeah, adult woman. Exactly, Annabelle. Your mom's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, I love Shane. I love Emily. But they do have that kind of stereotypical relationship where there's a lot of just like little subtle jabs about, you know, but I like Shane. Shane's one of those people that have grown on you each season. And Shane now has a job as a lawyer. Alleged, supposedly. That's what he says. Um, so, yeah, dude, I did thought, I was like, it, it is funny that Shane is subtly teaching his children, their children to like kind of, uh, you know, make fun of Emily. They're like, you know, he's like, I see daddy make fun of mommy all the time. Now we cut to my favorite couple this season. John Jansen and Shannon Bedore, and they're boating. They're just boating, and they pull up to John's deck. He lives on the water, and all of a sudden, it becomes an episode of Below Deck where John's like, get the midline, Shannon. Midline, go out there. I'm going to give you the Tie up the boat, Shannon. Tie up the boat, Shannon. John is not obviously this angry in this scene. I'm doing this for theatrical flair. And Shannon's like, I'm, tr I'm trying, John, I'm trying. And Archie, the dog, jumps out of the boat like, get me off of this fucking thing. And then she's like, well, let's cook dinner now. And then John says my favorite line of this episode. He goes, oh, I'll start the queue. And I was like, the queue? Is this QAnon? The BBQ. He's one of those guys that calls the barbecue queue. I'll start the old queue up. And I'm like, what a man. John Jansen is a man. And then Tan sorry, then Shannon is in the kitchen, kind of going through, seeing what, because she's going to like make the salad and the dressing, seeing what John Jansen has in his fridge. And uh, it's a human head. No, 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 no. But Shannon does that, sweetie, uh, that grill doesn't, it looks like it hasn't been used in a while. Uh, you know, already worrying like Shannon does. And you can tell John is just like, I've got the grill. Don't worry about the grill. Make the dressing. In a talking head, Shannon goes, John and I rarely have dinner at his house because I have all the stuff at my place. And it's a bit of a mishmash here. 
the condescending tone that they both have with each other. I mean, Shane and Emily are one thing, but this is like a one. It's that thing of like saying sweetie before you say so. Sweetie, that grill looks like you've never cleaned it. Like you don't need the sweetie. The sweetie is what makes that statement hurt. It's like, hey, is that grill clean? Instead of sweetie, is that grill? Like the sweetie is the part that really is frustrating. I would imagine if I've ever been in a relationship or a marriage that the sweetie part, that's the thing that potentially gets to you. And she goes, as far as John cooking for me, it, he's only done it one time. <laughs> just Shannon, if you need help, just, just let us know. Like, just help me blink twice. If you need help, she immediately breaks something when she's going in the fridge. She's like, it should have been a little higher. This shelf should have been a little higher. Shannon is that person that just goes, stumbling through things and just breaks things. It's like how dirt and sweat are attracted to me. Like if there is dirt somewhere, my body is going to find it. It, might, it just attaches to me. Or if there is sweat to be had, it's going to happen on my body. No matter what I do, it's just something that I have to live with. Um, in a talking head, she was like, John and I have spoken about living together, you know, when the kids go to college, but you know, we, there's no, you know, dates on that. She continues to be fucking up John's fridge. It's just like just breaking things right and left. And John's like, why don't you open it more, more, just more. Why don't you open it just more calmly? <laughs> it's just like, why don't you be more careful, Shannon, please. In a talking head, Shannon says, do I have hope for spending the rest of my life with John? Absolutely. But there is just no rush. And I'm like, Shannon, you potentially are not going to be spending the rest of your days with John, even though I think Shannon now is playing the long game with Shan. John, I do believe they will get back together if they not if they aren't already. But I like that. I'm like, Shannon, hold out. Hold out until you have John fully trained to exactly what you need. Like keep hanging, like keep taking little shots with David Bedore, your ex too, just to like poke the bear a little bit. Let John Jansen get rid of his dock under the bridge, you know, BBQQ lifestyle, you know, like train this man. So this is the never before seen episode of uh, on Peacock that you get a couple of extra scenes. Now, this is an extra scene uh, where Shannon and John are in the kitchen and she's like, John. The golden rescue call. What do you think about getting another dog for me at the house? And John's like, uh, pros and cons. Uh, Archie would uh, probably enjoy the companionship, but I look at your life and the chaos and your businesses and your responsibilities. And I worry uh, about another responsibility. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be an instant fit with the dogs into your lifestyle. And she's like, well, John, the girls are going to be here for another year, which I like. She's like, the girls will take care of this dog. And then he goes, well, it just, it's going to mean we have three dogs then because also John Jansen has a dog as well. Now, John is right. Like when you are this crazy busy, it is hard to like, you know, give a new dog all of that attention. So I do tend to understand what John is saying. And then Shannon's like, John, what, what did you think about the kids the other day uh, talking about getting married? And we flash back to Sophie's boyfriend, Reese, at a lunch, you know, with, you know, Shannon going, what do you think about marriage? And he's like, well, you know, I think so. Like after we graduate, 
And she's like, but John, I don't want Sophie to get hurt. And he's like, I don't think she would. I don't think I don't think she would get hurt. He appears to love her a lot. Now, that potentially is one of the most short sighted statements everywhere, anywhere. They're in their early 20s. And John's like, he appears to love her. Do you know how many people appear to love each other? And especially when you're that young, I think it's just because I'm getting older that I am more now like, of like, yeah, let's not just throw a like, let's really tiptoe into marriage. I see how it's gone sometimes. Let's it's just tiptoe, and especially when you're young, especially when you're that young. Can you imagine? And remember, all of us, when we had that first relationship that you really fell in love with, and you were like, I've never felt this way before. I need to dedicate my entire life to this person for the rest of my days. And then you're like, oh, oh that's that's not going to work out. And it breaks your heart completely. And then it's just different after that point. I always think, I don't know, like I have weird thoughts. I don't think they're weird thoughts, but it is, you know, you guys feel that too, right? We all had that one relationship that completely hurt us when we were younger or most of us did. Um, she's like, well, some people rush into things and I, I choose to take my time. And, you know, there were red flags with David Bedore and I ignored those. And I need to know that we are going to make it and it's right. And we will be happy. This was in a talking head. And I literally got so confused because they were talking about Sophie. And then all of a sudden I realized she's talking about her and John Jansen. And I'm right there with Shannon. Yeah, Shannon, do not rush into this. Do not rush into this. But at the same time, I really, truly would love to know the behind-the-scenes conversations that uh, John Jansen and Shannon Bedore have. Like, what are those conversations? And what were those conversations ending that relationship? Like, listen, cameras were down when they broke up. And I'm sorry. If Scandaball taught us anything, get those cameras the fuck back up. I need to see that breakup between, I almost want to see that more than I want to see Mauricio and Kyle and their like shit that they will present in a certain way that I think they know they're, you know, like, I think they're on the same page, uh, Mauricio and Kyle with how they want to present this. I don't think there's a lot of acrimony yet in that. I think they're on a united front. Uh, so anyways, John, John, uh, says, well, has, has, has this been a little relaxing today? She's like, yeah, but I'm I'm just thinking about all the things I need to do. And then we get a flashback to Shannon, one of her business partners, about all the things that she's involved in. And there's like a big whiteboard with 30 businesses on it, which, by the way, Shannon Bedore for ShipStation, one of my favorite commercials they show on Bravo all the time. And she's like, I, I, I meet with Steve, my business guy, and we talk about all the different projects. And it's just insane. And John's like, I get stressed hearing about everything in your world. <laughs> These lines aren't said intensely, but they are what he says. But when you read them intensely, it really gives more insight of like they probably he's probably saying it this intensely in his head. I get stressed hearing about everything in your world, Shannon. And Shannon's like, well, I, I have three kids going to school. It's a huge deal for me. And he's like, I understand. And in talking head, Shannon goes, there are so many balls in the air for me, plus John's actual nutsack. No, he's, uh, there are so many balls in the air for me and I can't ignore them. And that at sometimes frustrates John. And John goes, I just want to make sure you can turn your mind off sometimes so we can have fun. And by fun, I know he means butt sex. No, I don't know. Anyways. I'm just being goofy today, folks. I'm just getting all my energy out. Uh, and she goes, "We well, we do. We do still have fun, John. And he's like, we do, of course, you know, but you've got your mind just spinning all the time. And then there's like silence. <laughs> there's silence and a shot of Shannon. And then John goes, okay, steak. And he goes back to the grill. 
<laughs> Shannon just sits there. Now we cut over to Tamara coming into a nail salon, and she is meeting up with Emily and Heather today. And Emily gets there first, and Emily's like, well, how was Montana? And Tamara's like, well, Heather had to shovel shit, but she says now she has an appreciation for people who don't do does stuff like that. And we get a flashback to Heather giving that uh, toast to like, I, I shovel shit today and it makes me appreciate all the little people that I am so much better than and all of the things that they have to do. I'm paraphrasing. And Emily goes, that is so condescending that she said that. In a talking head, Emily goes, yeah, you know, have respect for that, but you're in your 50s. You all of a sudden had an aha moment in Montana? That is mind boggling to me. And now we cut to Heather coming in. And uh, Heather is just, you know, Heather's just Heather. She immediately sits down. They're like, you know, remember she got hurt from shoveling shit. I guess it like messed up her back. And she's like, oh, I didn't tell you. I also split wood on the trip. And that I think hurt hurt my body as well, which it is, it is interesting for these people to be so wealthy that when they do basic, like bending down, and I know getting older is a challenge for all of us, just basic, like bending down or shoveling or chopping wood, it completely fucks their whole body up. Like she's like coming in like the elephant man, like, I can't, I can't walk straight for the rest of my life. Anyway, she says it also hurt because she split wood on that trip. But also, I think she was getting railed by Terry DeBro. Terry DeBro laying it down with that thick piece of botched wood. Um, anyways, they all say, we missed you, Emily, on the Montana trip. And Emily's like, well, it, it's nice to be missed. Uh, they serve the wine uh, at this, uh, the wine and the champagne at this nail salon. And Heather immediately is like, to the lady doing it. She's like, I want a regular manicure but extra massage, extra massage. And then Emily's like, well, how did Taylor do on the trip? I don't know her very well. Did she have fun? And that was, you know, and, and Tamara's like, ask Heather, because remember they had the IMDB fight, one of my favorite fights of the year, except for my battle with my own bulge. This was one of my favorite fights. And she says, uh, well, you know, it just, it was great. We, you know, we got really close, but she did something really shitty. And, you know, she said I was condescending that I was better than the role she offered. And she said all of these things about me. And Emily's like, oh, well, yeah, she did tell me about that. And we flash back to, <laughs> we flash back to Eddie's gym closing where Emily did have this conversation with Taylor, which this is my point earlier about Emily is that she does have all of these conversations. Even when you see in flashback, Emily's in there getting information. Emily is there and Emily is not as reactionary with this information as Tamara is. So it's a different way to come at the housewives, I think, which I'm kind of appreciating. It's a more subtle way, but Emily is collecting stories. She is collecting information. Anytime somebody reveals something to Emily, Emily's like, oh, I already knew that. And I think that's very interesting to pay attention to for the rest of the season. And, uh, she says, Emily says, well, you can be a little hurtful the way you say things. And Heather's like, hold on a second. I want to respond to that because that wasn't very nice. And uh, it is interesting, though, because Tamara does the same kind of things about 
she Tamara operates in a in a similar way sometimes as Heather DeBro, but right now we celebrate Tamara for this. Now, of course, this would probably change two seasons from now, but it is interesting. And I also think there is a certain thing to do with Heather's extreme wealth or how she presents her extreme wealth. Because even though all of these ladies are, you know, they're doing okay, uh, maybe minus Gina, and I don't mean that as a slam, but it is that extreme wealth and the gifting and the champagne everywhere. When you are going to be this eccentric with your money and make it a part of your brand, that is going to potentially not win people over in the long run, I think. Um, so Heather's like, Emily, you're assuming she she is in the right and I am in the wrong. I was in the middle of packing my two kids to college and I went over there to work with her acting coach and it was great. And we, we remember when she had the, just a couple episodes ago in her garage area, she had like a, opened a Costco in the garage where she bought her kids every fucking thing that they might need for college for the next eight years and then flew the kids on a private jet to college. Those are the kids. She's like, I was in the middle of a big rescue mission for my kids. And Tamara, by the way, she, you see Tamara actively listening. Well, that's a term we always use in acting school of active listening where, you, you know, like they do a shot of Tamara and she's like, ah, I'm really listening to what these ladies say right now. Uh, Tamara goes, well, right then and there, Heather, that sounds condescending how you describe it. And, and Emily goes, it comes across that you're better than everyone else and your life is more important. And I want to point out that that is dead on, Emily. But also, I want to point out that Heather does believe that. Heather does believe that she is better than everyone else and her life is more important. And if you don't believe it, she's got a bunch of bank accounts to show you. I truly believe, even if Heather is not aware she believes this, this is what she believes. And in a sense, I don't know if I could blame her. I don't know if I could argue the I mean, like... It, I don't, I'm not saying she is better than everyone else, but I'm saying if you had the lifestyle that Heather has, you too might think that you were better than everyone else around you. So I think this is interesting that we're like a bunch of people are finally saying the same thing to Heather. It's going to be interesting to see how she processes this information for the rest of the season because we're only seven episodes in, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, she's like, well, that's, that's not how I meant it. That's not how I meant it. Ladies at all. I did not mean to come off condescending. And Emily says, well, maybe you're not aware of how you sound sometimes. And Tamara in a talking head goes, I agree, but that's just Heather. Heather in a talking head goes, well, let's not talk about my behavior, Emily. Should we talk about your behavior? Should we make sweeping generalizations about your mean, unattractive aggressiveness? Which is so funny. Emily is just pointing out points. But when I think of unattractive aggressiveness, I think of Tamara. It is funny how we point all of these different fingers. And sometimes I feel like they're pointed in the exact wrong directions. Emily in a talking head goes, it's important for her to know because no one else here has the balls to tell her. And maybe that's what we should Maybe that's what we should talk about with Emily, or maybe that's what we should give her the moniker of the lady with the balls to tell you. Emily, the lady with the balls to tell you. My name is Emily Simpson. I got big old balls. I'm going to tell Heather she's not it. going to tell Tamara she's annoying. going to tell Ryan to take off that cowboy hat. going to tell Ryan to do the, uh, the flaccid. Uh-oh, my mom is texting me. Hold on one sec, you guys. I've got to stop.
Okay, I'm back. Uh, I just had a, a a call from my mom, who who was at the doctor's getting this treatment, and then I'm thinking it's some emergencies. Like she's like, take out the Smokies, and I guess these little smoky thing. These like she calls them Smokies. I don't know these little meat things. My sister, oh man, I don't know, man. And so I go out and pull the Smokies out. And then I'm like checking email and Instagram and all of that shit that I should not have done. That just gets you upset. Like you see a bunch of things that just get you upset. And I'm like, oh God, it's so weird dealing with like grief or pre-grief or, you know, stuff happening with my mom and my dog and my life. And, um, you know, and since I've come to Arizona in this last uh, week, I've just not been able to properly concentrate. Like every time I start to do something and my mind is going like 30 different directions and it's like really good to get in the middle of something. But then if you get interrupted from that, it completely ruins your flow. I know I'm complaining to you guys and you don't need to hear any of this stuff. Uh, and I try to keep, oh, it's just, it's just, or just want to bang my head up against the wall sometimes. It's just, just, it's just wild. And there's no, it's just, it's just wild. Um, okay. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Ryan, get back on track, dude. Come on. So we're talking about Emily having huge old, big old balls. And by the way, G Emily said this of like, I have the balls to tell her. And then Gina all of a sudden pops up in a talking head in that big orange Oompa Loompa outfit. And she's like, it's like a bitch just needs to know. In regards to Heather, it's like a bitch just needs to know. It was like a jump scare. I was like, why are they putting Gina's talking head? It's not even in this scene. Anyways, back in this scene, Emily says, I I feel it just all got uglier than it needed to. And Heather's like, well, yeah, I told her to fuck off. Uh, no, I said, fuck you. By the way, there's like a, a random stranger in the nail salon that's looking over like, Ugh! which I love. Housewives do that great thing while they cut away to a stranger that's like watching the Housewives or Vanderpump Rules being filmed, being like, what the fuck did I just walk into? Um, anyways. Heather now is like, anyways, we are going to take a Duffy, which I guess is like some small boat, to a private cooked dinner at Nobu, her favorite fucking place on the planet, Nobu. And Tamara's like, what time is that? And they're like, do you have something to do? And Emily's kind of cracking up because like, do you have something that's better than a privately cooked meal at Nobu? And and then Heather's like, do you have an audition? And she's like, yeah, for Taylor's new movie. Bam, bam. We cut to commercial. We come back. We're all of a sudden on a scene with Jen Pedranti at her yoga studio. She owns her own yoga studio with her ex-husband, Will, called Devi Rebel Yoga. D-E-V-I Rebel Yoga, which I used to like yoga. I can't wait to lose enough weight again where I feel comfortable working out in public. I really don't know when that's going to happen, but I used to take yoga classes. Like I was never great at it, but it was one of those things that made me feel good. I just don't. And, and I, I, you know, I'm just so out of shape, but I used to really like yoga. I hope to get back to it someday. Anyways, we're having a yoga scene where, you know, Jen's like teaching. She's like hands at heart. I honor the light in each and every one of you. Namaste. And she says she opened the studio because it's her passion and Will, her ex-husband and her are partners in this. But I need this to be successful to feel like I don't have to rely on anyone and I can take care of the kids, which is great now that she has housewives and all of this stuff, because 
hopefully this will be able to get her successful. Now, we've had unsuccessful newbies last season with Noella and the other Jen, Jen Armstrong, the doctor. I mean, they really didn't take off the way that I'm sure Bravo wanted them to. And hopefully Jen doesn't have that same fate. But I really like Jen so far. I can tell like it's it's coming out. Like if we can pull her out. In fact, all of the ladies at the Nobu dinner at the very end were trying to pull her back. Like, what do you want to say to Tamara? Say something mean. If we can ignite her fuse, if we can get her past yoga and more into devil yoga, I mean, we I have real high hopes for her. And yes, of course, this Ryan guy does not seem great, right? He doesn't seem great. We know guys like him. He's the guy, you know, good looking for the most part, in shape, wears like the the cool clothes, I guess, if you're like a 15 year old in Orange County, all of that stuff. But yeah, of course we don't trust this guy. Two things can be true at once, right? We can like Jen and we can also realize that Ryan probably, since he doesn't have a good track record and he likes to send pics of his flaccid penis, probably not at the end of the day. Great, but you can still support Jen. So uh, Gina comes into this scene with Jen and she's in pink tie dye. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, my God, you look so cute. And Jen's like, you look so cute. Ooh. And anyways, Gina brought her a candle. And she's like, it's a very yoga candle. I thought I thought of you when I saw it at TJ Maxx. And uh, Jen's like, I love I love things like this. Oh, my gosh. You know, you spoke to my soul, Gina. And I was like, nobody's told Gina that. What? Nobody's ever told me I spoke to their soul. And she's like, thank you for coming in today. And Gina's like, you are the only person I'd work out for. Ooh. Anyways, I really did feel bad for how Montana shook out. And we get a flashback to all of... Gina's uh, issues with the infidelities, which by the way, I asked last week, I'm like, I just don't see it. Do you guys see it? And a lot of people did write me and that they, they do empathize and see Gina's point into being triggered about uh, cheating and all of that stuff. But my thing was, and, and I, you know, they re even reminded me of some of the stuff about Matt that I had forgotten. Like there was physical abuse on that one night when he got, you know, really, really scary shit. But my thing was, I didn't understand in relation to Jen being a new person, all of a sudden, this is the moment that everything is coming back to her. I thought it was a little too convenient for reality television. I don't mean to sound unfeeling when I say that, but it is it is something in the back of my mind. It is something of like, it still feels a little weird. Like you live an actual life that you would have already started to deal with this potentially, but who knows? Maybe uh, housewives is that kind of fulcrum to be able to make you deal with issues that you've pushed down. Who knows? I just thought it was a little like, wait, what? Wait, huh? Huh? Anyways. So we're having this uh, conversation and even, but I was like, you're taking yoga with Jen multiple times. Cause we see photos of her taking yoga with Jen. And I was like, wow, way to like exposure therapy. You're just constantly putting yourself in harm's way to be around this person that you say constantly triggers you because of alleged infidelity. Anyways, Gina's like, it's forcing me to look at the process things I should have done years ago. You know, I don't want to walk on eggshells around you, Jen. You know, even though we're on opposite sides of this issue, I still know what you're going through. Which, by the way, you're, they're not really on opposite sides because Jen isn't going, I'm pro-cheating, you know? <laughs> Anyways, Jen's like, thank you so much, Gina. Thank you. 
And uh, Jen is like, the last two years, I feel bad. I felt head down, tail between my legs. But then I told myself, I got to be shoulders up, head up. You know, the people that still love you will still love you. They might not approve, but they will walk beside you, which I thought was a very interesting, understandable way to go about this. And Gina's like, well, maybe Montana was a good thing. And Jen says, well, I feel the same way about Tamara. And we get a flashback to Tamara talking to Jen of going, I just don't want you to be cheated on. And Jen says, uh, well, stuff was said that I had no idea. You know, I had no idea Tamara was saying this stuff, you know, until people started coming to me and saying that shit was being chattered about me. And Gina and I talking that goes, Jen has, you know, weird expectations for someone who clearly isn't the person to show up for you. And she's going to show up for you, but she's going to show up to drag the shit Oh, shit about you all over town. She says that in a talking head, but Gina is right here is that, yeah, Tamara isn't that person to show up for you. For Jen to expect that and Jen not understanding the way Tamara operates is a weakness for Jen. And Tamara is playing into that weakness and exploiting that weakness. Anyways, Gina in this scene goes, well, hopefully it's all cleared up. Wink. Jen says, you are so impressive to me as a person, Gina. And I was, <laughs> I paused and get, laugh a little bit. And then I came back to it. And Gina's like, well, you are good at the cheesy stuff. We cut over to Emily's house. Luke and Keller, her twins are there. Annabelle's there. Shane comes in from a tough day at the law office and smacks Emily's ass. Classic. And Emily's like, how was work? Are you still employed? And he's like, of course I am. But at the same time, I do think there is mileage in the fact that Shane might be completely um, lying about having a job. <laughs> he's that guy that just goes and hangs out at the park and, you know, packs a sack lunch. And then he comes home. He's like, got some good lawyering done today, babe. Smack on the ass. Anyways, let's make fun of you a little more. I'm joking. I like Shane. Anyways, their dog is there. The dog just had surgery or something, so it's wearing a cone of shame. And then I was like, oh, maybe Shane needs to wear a cone of shame. But then all of a sudden, Shane made a joke that Emily needs to wear a cone of shame. Anyways, Emily tells us that she's been texting with her mom, and her mom sent her pics that she's never seen before of her as a kid with her sister. And remember, her and her mom have a very tenuous relationship. And this is, you know, we see pics of, uh, of young Emily with a little, like, you know, a boy cut, a little bowl cut. And she's like, Annabelle, come look. Did you know that this was grandma? And Annabelle's like, no, you never show me pics. And she's like, well, grandma wants to FaceTime with you. And then Annabelle just spins out of frame. She's a model now, you guys. Emily is tearing up talking about this with Shane. Shane. And she's like, well, mom always cut our hair short because she short because she didn't want to have to maintain it. Uh, in a talking head, Emily says her and her sister did everything for themselves. She even put they even put themselves on their school bus. Their mom was very depressed about their divorce with their dad. So when they were growing up, the mom would sleep a lot and she probably needed help and to speak with someone because she was struggling, which I think is such a mature way to look at something from Emily's perspective of this was so hurtful and damaging in certain ways to Emily. But Emily is grown up enough to understand that her mom was going through something. Her mom definitely loves her kids, but she was going through something and didn't have probably the 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 knowledge or the language in which to speak about it and, and, and get past it. You know, we do live in a different time now where we are more encouraging and opening of your mental health and your own journeys and encourage really to talk about things. But I'm sure when they were growing up, you know, everybody's different, of course, but it wasn't as out in the open of like, and I'm not saying that, you know, you know what I'm saying? 
Anyways, Emily says that her mom hasn't been out to visit since 2019. We get a flashback of that scene. And Shane's really encouraging. He's like, you know, do whatever you can in that relationship, you know, just to help it progress. Emily calls her mom and is crying on the phone. And her mom's like, what's wrong, Emily? And she's like, the pics you sent me made me happy and sad at the same time. And the mom's like, well, I'm glad it brought you some emotion. And she's like, when I see those pics, it reminds me of my kids and how fast they're growing. And I wish they saw you more, mom. Will you come out? I'll pay for you to come out. In a talking head, Emily says, I'm at a place that I want to get past this anger and let it go. Hell yes. And she's like, as time goes by, I realize that you have to savor it, which is easier said than done, right? I mean, we can know that within our hearts. We can know that within our beings. But at the same time, having to actually do that is so tough. I don't know why that is. Like, listen, we can we know all the right things to do in our lives, right? But do we do them? No. From all, my own self-experience, I can't. I can barely do the basic things sometimes, right? I can't be alone in this. Um, anyways, Emily's like, I don't need an apology, but what can we do from this point just to move forward? And the mom says, I would love to come out. And, and maybe childhood wasn't that bad. I love you so much, Emily. And she's like, I love you too, mom. And she's crying while she says it. It was a beautiful scene. We cut to Shannon now pulling up to some store with uh, her twin daughters, uh, two of my favorite musicians. Uh, remember when, you know, then and then. Dream catcher, dream catcher. The Bedore girls, when they had their band, uh, Ladies of Rock, I, I mean, seriously, they were Heim before Heim was Heim. They were the original Heim. If they had kept going, they would be on tour with Taylor Swift right now. That is my firm belief. Anyways, the girls uh, reveal that they just got back from an 11 day trip to Paris with their father. They're at this like kind of uh, like, um, not a thrift store because it has Louis Vuitton bags and stuff like that, but it's like pre-owned everything. And then Shannon lets us know her theory on this because when you buy new clothes, they have chemicals on it. But if you buy clothes that are already worn, they're great. No chemicals. I love the way Shannon Bedore thinks. Shannon Bedore is like, I love pre-worn everything because that first person probably died from all the chemicals on it. I am good because I am buying these expensive things but they're not as expensive and all the dying chemicals are now off them. And just, you see this because you realize how your parents put these little neuroses into your brain. You just imagine these girls of like, man, it's going to be fun to watch them, uh, watch them grow up because, you know, no matter, even if they think it's ridiculous in that moment with their mom, 20 years later, they're going to be thinking the exact same thing. It's wild how we change as we get older in a talking head. Shannon's like, I'm passionate about things that aren't toxic. You know, it's, it's like, we need chemical free and that's what we need. Anyways, Shannon's like, I want to see you in this girls. And she's like, I bought from consignment stores for years. And then the producer in the talking head goes, is that pink jacket from a consignment store? And she's like, well, no, not this one. So in the, in the talking head, Shannon is potentially getting a deadly disease from the toxic chemicals on this newly gotten pink jacket. Anyways, she's talking to the girls and she's like, did you talk to your dad about a college counselor? And the girls are like, dad just said we need an essay editor. And she's like, no girls, college counselors create a unique application, which then it got me thinking about Felicity Huffman and that whole scandal of the guy that got all these like rich kids into like USC and all of these things. And I was just like, oh my God, if we have a storyline of Shannon, like, putting these, like, act like you are a mountain climber, girls. You've been mountain climbing all your lives, and it's going to help you get into NYU mountain climbing school. If we get some kind of admission scandal, I am completely there for that. 
But it is just so weird. I went to ASU, folks. I did not. ASU like sent me a thing and said, you're in. And I was like, I didn't even apply. <laughs> like, I don't. I, they're just like, you're coming. And I was like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, we saved a spot. Like, do I have to pay you? I don't know. It was that easy. And I just, it, it's hysterical to hear what a big business getting into colleges is. And it truly scares the shit out of me. I talked to some of my friends with kids and they have to pay astronomical fees just to go to elementary school, like a private elementary school. I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway, she lets us know it's 75 grand to go to USC or NYU per year. Like, fuck, dude. And she's like, well, you need this, this counselor. You, you let me deal with your dad. You, you, I don't need you girls to be uncomfortable. I got it. Shannon Bedeer's like, I got it. I'll handle David Bedore. And the kids are like, okay. And then in the talking head, Shannon throws her daughters under the bus. She's like, do I think the Bedore twins or will be inundated with scholarships? no. I love her girls watching the show. <laughs> Shannon's like, well, I'm going to call the counselor this week. And by the way, they pull up to, to check out of this store. They bought a sh uh, two shirts and a purse, $3,100. She, she dropped $3,100 on the girls in this store. What? Dude, my mom took me to Old Navy like two years ago. Maybe, maybe it was pre-pandemic. And we spent like $150. And I got like $30 pieces, unique pieces from different collections that Old Navy have. And I even, I felt bad that day for letting my mom spend $150, even though it was my birthday gift, like 31. Could you imagine the guilt you would feel for the rest of your life? If you took $3,100, I mean, I know I I'm probably in the wrong about this. You guys are priority, like all cool, but like, I just, I never could see this happening. Don't look at your phone, Ryan. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Folks, now is my favorite part of the show when I get to talk about our sponsor. And this week, once again, we are sponsored by our friends over at Factor. And Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I got to tell you, I've told you already, but I'm in Gilbert, Arizona right now, and it's 114 degrees. That's usually the low. And uh, I got to tell you, it makes it miserable to do just simple things like running out to the grocery store. And that is why something like Factor is perfect for this time, because it saves you from doing all of that monotonous stuff, especially if you are in a very hot area. Arizona weather climate. Um, now, Factor has sent me and my family meals uh, a couple of times now, and it really has helped out. Uh, it really is so easy, which we'll talk about in a second. But we're in the thick of summer right now. So you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. Uh, and Factor, like I said, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time, you're going to eat well, and you're going to stay on track reaching your goals. So a lot of us are too busy with summer plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well. So with Factor, skip that extra trip to the grocery store. You, you skip the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up. Um, while you're still getting flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factors fresh. It is never frozen meals, and they're ready in just two minutes. 
I'm not, that's not a misprint, two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warm weather or get back in that bed and fire up Bravo. My gosh. So ready to feel your best while making the most out of your summer adventures, stick to your wellness goals with premium ready to eat meals featuring high quality ingredients. What are those ingredients, Ryan? Well, let me tell you, broccolini, leeks, asparagus. You can treat yourself to 34 plus weekly restaurant quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon, like I said, ready in two minutes. Um, They have calorie conscious uh, options as well. You can try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. In fact, it was really perfect for me because I've been doing a little bit of overeating and I remember I ate one of these and it was really delicious. And then I was like, oh my gosh, how many calories? And I looked and it was like 600 calories. And I was like, cha-ching, score. And if you need an extra boost to support your wellness goals, you can try protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. So they offer delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles. So you got keto to calorie smart to vegan plus veggie and protein plus prepared by chefs, approved by dietitians, and you can round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like their delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. I'm starting to get hungry doing this spot. Uh, Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions. They source 100% renewable electricity for their protect production sites and offices, and they feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So this July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals. They make it really easy. You just go online, choose your meals, and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. So here is the important information. Head to factormeals.com. That's F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S.com slash SoBad50, five zero. And you're going to use that code SoBad50 to get 50% off. That's code SOBAD50 at factormeals.com slash SOBAD50 to get 50% off. If some of you guys don't do this, that's on you because that is a fantastic deal. 50% off? You get meals, two minutes or less, fresh ingredients during the summer? You can stay at home? That's that's gold, baby. That's good as gold. Okay, that's going to be in the show notes as well. And now back for the remaining portion of our show. Right. Something to do with my dog. Anyways, uh, we cut to Heather on the dock. It is our big Nobu luncheon. It's it's a big luncheon. And uh, Logan, the dock worker, is helping Heather onto this little, little boat. Um, it's all pink, this boat. Uh, Emily FaceTimes with Gina, getting ready to go. And Gina's like, oh, I'm still upset at Heather. She texted me yesterday to invite me and said, I want to have a lot of fun today. And Emily's like, well, that's a very calculated calculated text. It's like, please don't mess up my party. Then we cut to Taylor coming onto the boat. So it's Taylor and Heather. And Taylor is already just so complimentary. Oh my God, Heather, you look pretty in pink. Uh, I didn't know that these pink, these duffies had pink. Well, uh, did I say you look pretty? 
And I, you know, with everything going on, Heather, I'm just really happy that you invited me even after everything that we've had. And Heather's like, I'm glad you came first because I really wanted to talk to you. This has just gotten out of control. The bottom line is I hurt your feelings and I'm sorry. And then Taylor's like, well, I hurt yours too. And I'm sorry. And I learned a lot from you and Lauren. And Lauren, by the way, is the acting teacher that was there in that scene a couple episodes ago. And then Heather's like, I invited her today. It was such a great day. And I hope you take that away from this exp that experience. And Taylor's like, I'm so sorry for my part in this. Which, by the way, isn't it a little weird that they invited the acting coach? And this like kind of led me to believe, like, are they trying to break in the acting coach as like a potential like friend of, or is she a friend of at this point? But it was like weird. It's like the acting coach you invited with all these girls, like the acting coach, like, okay, she seems nice. I was just like, really the acting coach? Like, are you going to invite other people from Taylor's past? Like I invited the person that works at your Costco. I the greeter. Yeah. I brought, I brought her here. Very nice. I hope she has a great day. Um, the producer says to Heather, uh, Heather, are you sorry for your part in this as well? And Heather just like pauses and like goes, <clears throat> and then there's silence. And she goes, I think Taylor is very sorry. She started all of this in the first place that I can say. And what I hope for this dinner is that we can make it to the entree. And then we flash back to last season with Heather kicking everyone out of her house, the $30,000 of wasted fish. Uh, and Heather's like, yes, Taylor, let's just celebrate today. And then all of a sudden Shannon and Tamara come on the boat. They're in like these very high heels. Um, and they're like, Shannon, are you driving the boat? And Shannon's like, no, I'm not driving. I crashed into a boat once. I heard that and I was like, wait, back it up. Boop, boop, boop. You crashed into a boat once and we just move on from this. I need every, I need to see the boat. I need to see the boat damage. I need to know who was at fault. I need to know if you were drinking. I need to see insurance receipts. I need a Shannon Bedore. Did I, did I miss the Shannon Bedore crashing story at one point? Like do, uh, Shannon crashed a boat. Like, you know, Shannon's like, I've killed five people on a boat. I do not want to drive. <laughs> it's all of a sudden gets deeply serious. Like many people lost their lives, more people than the Titanic that day. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, Lauren, the acting teacher comes on. Her name's Lauren Lim Jackson. She meets the other ladies. And for the purpose of my show, I'm going to do the acting coach as a thespian. I am a thespian to be or not to be. That is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind. <laughs> Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. So that will be Lauren's voice, even though that's not her voice at all. Heather says, well, we have vodka, tequila, and champagne. And Shannon's like, yes, yes. Jen and Emily show up next. And Shannon says, um, oh, oh, look, look at, uh, ooh, look at Gina. She has some sh hooker shoes on too, because Gina shows up, I guess, in some big hooker shoes. And uh, then all of a sudden, they're, they're getting ready to go. The drinks are out, and a drink falls on Tamara's lap. And she's like, ah! Sometimes when Tamara screeches, I wish there was like a countdown so you could prepare yourself emotionally. And she's like, every time I get into a goddamn boat, a drink falls on my lap every time. We get a flashback to earlier in the season on the boat when that happens as well. And they're like, you need a sippy cup. And then it's like, we'll be at the Nobu dock soon. So they, instead of meeting at Nobu, they have now taken a boat to Nobu, which is just right across the harbor. I'm guessing that was just, you know, 
It's like when Tom Cruise does a big shot, like big stunt shot on Mission Impossible. He wants to do it because he's like, I want to give the audience a thrill. And that's what I'm imagining. They're like, you know, wouldn't it give the audience a thrill to see us in this little ducky boat, this little duffy boat on the way to Nobu? That would just really make the viewers day. Anyway, Shannon's like, can I make an announcement? You, you know what today is? It's my wedding anniversary date with David Bedore. Um and the producer is like, wow, it is. And, and, you know, is that a big day for you? And she's like, no, it's not. It's just that I, I, I was married 22 years ago today. And Tamara goes, well, when you're happy, you don't think of those things. I don't remember my marriage date to Simon, or maybe I'm just an old bitch. <laughs> and then Emily lets everybody know a classic housewives trope. She's like, anyways, while I have you girls here, I'm having a pool party. And, you know, it's, it's, I want to invite all you ladies. And the first thing the ladies ask is like, at your place? And they're like, no, it's Shane's mom's place. They're like, we got to come to your place. Uh, it's like, no, Shane's mom's place. But I do need a supercut. And I think the supercut would be at this point, three hours long of every time a housewife in a scene on the way to something already a planned thing, you, you get the next person to say what the next planned thing is. It is just, you'd have a three hour show of just seeing really brief things of housewives through the ages going, while I have you here, while I have you here, while I have you here, while I have you here. Emily uh, is saying, okay, this, this seems like it'd be a fun pool party. Gina, by the way, gets scared because I think she sees a fish in the water. She's like, whoa, what's that? Is that a shark? And then Shannon goes, Heather, um, Heather, Heather and uh, Heather and Emily, John, John Jansen lives under that bridge over there. And Emily goes, is he a troll? Which then that got my mind thinking of like, I'm John Jansen, the troll of the O.C., I live on these docks under a bridge, just me and my trusty Q, my BBQ. I'm John Jensen, the troll of the OC. I don't need Shannon Bedore making me salad, you see, because I got my trusty Q and I like to make steak. I'm not ready to settle down because I just ain't ready for a first mate. I'm John Jensen, the troll of the OC. Shannon comments on her Spanx writing up, relatable queen. They uh, pull up to Nobu and they're like, you know, and by the way, I thought that I was like, even if they leave, at least the fish won't go bad if they're at the actual restaurant. Like they can't waste fish because it'll already be in the proper facility. We pull up to a very decorated table, Heather. It's just gorgeous. Like Heather Dubrow does things. And Heather, of course, has a very specific seating arrangement. And she's like, so you guys, before we start, I just, I, 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 I'm going to leave this week to see Max on a red eye because she is having a tough time at college. Now I brought a card. Would you guys all sign it and just give her words of encouragement? I think it would make her day which I choked at that point. I was like, do you think Max gives a flying fuck that Tamara writes in a card going, hang in there. If not, Ryan's got a place for you on the ranch that he works. You know, it's like, hey, Jen, tell your Ryan to send a picture of your flaccid dick to Max. It was like, which by the way, Max, if you're listening, I know you probably give it two shits about that card, but I would love that card. It would go so good in my reality show museum that I'm building. I would love, could you, I need to know what each of those ladies wrote in that card to Max. And did they do it at the very beginning? Were they progressively getting drunker? And they're like, Max, have one for me. But it also just like you're seeing, you're going on a red eye and college is tough. It's scary, but 
all the money in the world, all the things that this family has, and they still have the same issues that me and you do. So uh, anyways, she's like, also, ladies, you'll see I have very, I made chopsticks for you, these metal chopsticks, and it has your name emblazoned on each one. It's a gift from me and this. And she gives each one of these ladies a Tom Ford fucking candle. And Gina's like, how does she get on names on silver chopsticks so fast? I didn't even unpack from Montana. I'm still triggered by Jen. I haven't done anything. And then Heather's like, also the writing on the back, the Japanese writing on the back of those chopsticks, it says too fabulous to shovel shit. And then Tamara and Atagne goes, nobody is too fabulous to shovel shit. Not even Heather Debro. which by the way, that's fair too. Cause Tamara's son actually does shovel shit for a living now on his ranch. I've been in charge of shoveling shit for the last year. And it's really put a lot of hair on my chest. None on my head. That's all gone. But the old 10-gallon hat covers up a lot of that. Ping. Um, and then Emily's like, I, I, you know, I, she, she, sorry, all these ladies are complaining about what she just said, which, by the way, was a joke. It was a joke. And Shannon and I talking that goes, I shoveled shit for a long time. Do I need to put it in Japanese? And then Emily and I talking that goes, I don't know anyone more unaware about being unaware uh, than Heather. Does that make sense? And it does make sense, but come on, like let Heather joke here and there. This is not, Heather's always been this way. Shannon immediately orders tequila. Everybody's ordering tequila and Tamara looks at Jen and goes, you got a lot of catching up to do. And we get a flashback to two hours earlier where Tamara's over at Shannon while Shannon's getting glam and they're doing tequila shots. So they already came, I guess, a little two sheets to the wind. And Tamara goes, I need to see fun Jen. I was like, God, Tamara, shut up. And Emily says, okay, what is the main thing I missed on the Montana trip, ladies? And Heather's like, let's talk about other things. And Tamara says, well, Gina got triggered by Jen. And Jen calmly says, yes, yes, I, I was a trigger, yes. And Emily goes, how, how are you with Gina? And uh, we, you know, I, you know let's, uh, so uh, she's like, Sorry, I'm so good. We had the best. Oh, yeah. Gina's like, I'm so good. We had the best most. Oh, no, sorry. Jen says it's about Gina. We are doing so good, me and Gina. We had the best, most real talk. And we decided just to go forward, to move forward. And Tamara goes, if you know someone, uh, if you know someone's past, you can then go into the future. So Tamara's arguing, no, keep digging into the past. And Heather goes, well, you know, it just, it, it can't we be a little more evolved, ladies, and just hit the restart button? And Gina's like, why do you always want to hit the restart button, Heather? And Gina and Atagna goes, this is typical Heather DeBro. She knows I'm pissed. She knows that I'm coming to say things I have to say. I don't think that. In fact, I think Heather, unfortunately, Gina, is not thinking about you at all. Like, I would be willing to bet. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. That's my sense of this. And I think potentially that's what Gina's picking up on is that she doesn't matter sometimes to these women. She's an afterthought at times. Emily says, well, I 
want to know Jen and what she went through in the past. I want to, you know, I want to get to know her. And Tamara goes, well, I think you knew a little bit about her past. And we flash back to Emily talking to Jen about her husband at the Cut Fitness closing. Once again, pointing out em Emily does collect all of these stories. Tamara goes, I told you a million times, Jen, just to be honest. And Jen's like, I have Tamara. And Shannon goes, well, in fairness to Jen, like you had a lot of information that I don't know if you were aware of prior to this trip. And Emily's like, Emily's like, like what? And, you know, Shannon's like, well, there was that comment about a dick pic. And Emily goes, well, I, I heard that before about the dick pic, uh, you know, and I love that they had all heard this. We flash back to Shannon telling Emily about the dick pic, but in this, you know, Shannon's like, well, I guess he sent a picture of his penis. And Emily's like, say dick, Shannon, which by the way, I mean, I know I hate to be filthy, but come on, that's, you know, let me have this. Don't, I mean, that, do you know Shannon Dirty Talks with John Jansen? Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Like, by the way, I'm about to do a little bit, kick the kids out of the car or whatever. Tell them you'll pick them up in a second. Okay, is all the kids out of the room? You know Shannon's like, show me that hard cock, John Jans. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do things to that butt, John Jansen. <laughs> Emily goes, wait, you're worried about overlooking these red, Jen, you're worried about overlooking these red flags because you want it to all work out. And Jen's like, yeah, you know, if Ryan were to fuck up, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. Trust me. And Tamara goes, but hasn't he already fucked up? Tamara just trying to get in there. And Jen's like, with me? No. And then we get a flashback to that scene at the boot barn where they're all drinking champagne, shopping for Western wear. And she's, you know, Heather Dubrow's like, oh, so you were on a break like Ross and Rachel from Friends. And Jen's like, yeah, you know, and then he, I think he did, you know, then something happened with somebody else while we were on that break. And Tamara goes, with someone I know. And Tamara goes, well, I worry about you a thousand percent, Jen, at the Nobu meal. I feel like you left your entire world. Like Tamara really fucking back in this bus up and over. And Jen's like, I didn't leave my world for Ryan.
You know, for 19 years, nobody even fucking noticed me, which that is a key line, you guys, in how you perceive yourself. And if Jen has perceived herself being ignored for 19 years, when she starts getting in shape, different work on her face and boobs and all of these things, you start getting some male attention. That is really powerful when you feel like you potentially were silenced a lot of your life. Come on. That is strong, strong stuff. And Tamara shouts, you didn't tell anybody. Tamara, shut the fuck up. And Shannon goes, well, a, a lot of times, um, Tamara, when things are bad, you don't want people to know. You just put on a happy face. Yeah, Tamara. Have we seen you do that before? We have. And when you get called out on shit, you run. And Tamara goes, I understand that. And Emily says, well, do you think he's going to be loyal to you or loyal to her for the rest of her life about Ryan? And Tamara goes, no, no, I don't. I don't think. And that's what hurts, Jen. Like Tamara really all, all of a sudden just amming it to 100. And Jen goes, it fucking hurts, Tamara, that you air all of my shit to our friends. These are new friends of mine. That fucking hurts. Jen really trying to stand up for herself, but not anywhere near the strength of Tamara. And Tamara's like, no, it wasn't me, Jen. It wasn't me. We come from a small town that all knows he's a fucking whore. I love when OC is like small town values. Jason Aldean. This is a song about a small town. It's about Orange County and a place called The Quiet Woman. Uh, Emily goes, I mean, I did hear that he was the town whore. Tamara pounds on the table and he goes, he walked into my fucking gym and said he wanted to fuck me. At this point, I'm expecting Tamara to hire, hire Skyriders and just go, did you know Ryan said he'd fuck me at the now defunct Cut Fitness? And Jen says, Tamara, we are not going to have that conversation. And Tamara's like, oh, well, why not? And Jen and I talking and goes, Tamara says she's going to show up in our friendship. I don't have one friend that does this. Welcome to the housewives, Jen. And she's like, you know, Tamara's like, you know, that party we were all at? Someone walked up to Eddie and said, watch your wife. Ryan goes after married women. At this point, I think Tamara also is kind of, this is an ego boost for her. I, I, I just don't, mm. even at this table, if I bumped into all these and I was a different guy entirely, I wouldn't pick Tamara out of this group of ladies and be like, I'm going to fuck that one. Like, I just have like, I think they all just, you know, locker room talk. The, I don't know. Tam, uh, Jen goes, do you want to talk about that party, Tamara? And how we were on the phone that night? And Tamara's like, yeah. And she's like, I'm not doing it with you, Tamara. And she's like, do it with me. I have nothing to hide. I knew back then you had the hots for him. And Jen goes, who else had the hots for him? Not me, sweetie, Tamara says. If that's what you're insinuating, not me. And Jen goes, I'd watch it, Tamara. And then she's like, that's all Tamara needs. Watch it? watch it. And she throws a napkin in Jen's face. She goes, watch it. You want me to watch it? And she gets up from the table and gets her in her face. You want me to watch it? And Jen looks confused. Like it's like when you get too close to the, like a bear in the woods and you're like, I've gotten too close. What do I do? And Shannon's like, stop, stop, stop. Do I need to call John Jansen from under the bridge? Stop. And then Tamara Tamara's like, you should fucking leave your boyfriend, you fucking bitch. Fuck you. And she runs out of the scene and she walks all over Nobu. Like, this isn't P.F. Chang's, Tamara. This is Nobu. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is insane. 
I was just half hoping Nobu had the smarts to not let Tamara back in. Like, this is trash. This is trash. Tamara screaming, walking down the stairs. This is the place where, like, you know, this is just, come on, man. This isn't fucking Dave and Buster's. And Gina's like, oh, I can't do it anymore. No, no, Gina's like, oh, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Which I was like, Tamara, what are you, Gina, what are you talking about in this scene? Heather and I talking to her goes, Tamara gets antsy. I've seen this behavior from her before. Honestly, I just don't want it to affect me. I just don't want it to be directed at me, which I think is an interesting comment in the fact that all of these women don't want to deal with Tamara in this way. So it's like, great. Okay, great. Jen is uh, getting Tamara's anger. Good, good. At least we have, it's not going to be me today. And Heather says, we are new friends of yours, Jen. We just want to make sure you're okay. And if you need something, to say it. Now, remember, Tamara has ran out screaming with her hair on fire at Nobu. Shannon Medora went to chase her because they're, you know, best buds again. And Gina's like, if you have something to say, Jen, say it. Uh, about Tamara and the acting coach, uh, you know, hops in, you know, she's there. Don't forget. She's like, what did Tamara say? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, this is just Jen's like, this is just, she, she called and she said, come over and join us at this BBQ. And this is all just fucked up. This is all fucked up, Jen says. I will say that. Shannon's running outside of Nobu, so we're like cutting back and forth. And uh, Tamara's just screaming outside by the ballet. She's like, I won't entertain her bullshit. She's dating a fucking douchebag. And to say that I was hitting on him? And Shannon's like, you know, is that what she was saying? And, you know, that wasn't exactly what she was saying yet. You threw a napkin in her face before she fully got to say it clearly. And this is another great thing that Tamara does. Tamara, like, just cuts it off at the pass. She's like, yeah, yeah. You know, fuck. Oh, come on. Me hitting on him. He's fucking this tall. And like, you know, he's like a midget or a little person. Sorry. And then we're back at the other scene. And um, Emily's like, Jen, are you saying that Tamara had the hots for Ryan? And the thespian, the acting teacher is like, are you trying to protect Tamara now? And Jen says, you know what? I'm not covering for anything for her. Um, there was just a lot of joking about that day. And Taylor goes about how hot Ryan was. And Jen's like, yes, totally. And now, you know, uh, you know, it's like, and now you're offended that he said the same thing about you. So Jen really trying to work this out. I, she's like, I'm sorry, but it is a two way street with people in a talking head. Jen finally lets us know there was a barbecue at Ryan's house and Tamara called me from there and says, come over. I'm at hot gym guy's house. Should I go up to his bedroom and take one for the team? And Jen goes, it was funny. It was a joke but now three years later you're uncomfortable all of a sudden you know it just doesn't make sense to me you don't um you know it just it doesn't make sense to me and it's not fair how you're behaving but this is what there's no rhyme or reason so jen you got to throw out all your rhyme and reason to actually do battle with tamra back to tamra and shannon tamra's like he is a player. Imagine if David Bedore had been cheating on you years ago and I knew about it and just sat there and went, Shannon, no, I you know, didn't tell you, you know, and 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 Shannon's like, I mean, uh, I, I just, uh, uh, you know, anyways, by the way, I also want to point out that Tamara, remember, and her ex stayed friends uh, with David Bedore uh, or Tamara and Eddie stayed friends with David Bedore. I, I'm just tripping over my lips today. They remain friends with uh, David Bavor. David, fuck it, you got. I, anyways, Shannon goes, no, I mean, you know, if David Bador, but but if you'd said that about John, 
you know, and, and, and if you said that about John and, and you, you know, we're calling him an asshole and, and stuff and, and saying that we weren't going to make it, that would make me feel bad. Shannon at a talking head says, Jen may be an idiot, but let her figure that out. It's like very gentle, Shannon. She let her figure that out on her own. But something for me that I've wanted my entire life is a partnership with somebody, an equal partnership. And for them to say that this guy is not that and is not a part of your team, I don't know what would be anything that would be more crushing. She's trying to relate to Jen of how hurtful this potentially is for her. And Tamara goes back in. She's like, I need another shot of tequila. And they, the, this is where I wish Nobu had stepped in. I'm like, ma'am, there's a Wendy's down the street. You, There's a cheap liquor store. You can buy tequila there. Nobu will no longer have you here. Tamara, you know, does this tequila shot with Shannon at the bar with some stranger. We go back to the other table and the acting teacher is like, She's pissed that she knows that they had the same sort of cheeky moments. And Jen goes, I don't believe the comment about Ryan saying he wanted to fuck Tamara. And I got to tell you, I don't believe it either. I'm sorry. I believe Ryan probably says a lot of stupid shit, but I don't know. And Heather's like, well, we heard that she heard that from more than one person. I like that all of a sudden Ryan was in this like arena of a thousand people of like, I will fuck Tamara, that woman. This woman with the denim spanglies, I will fuck her. And uh, Emily is like, well, the point is she says stuff about your relationship, but that's when you need to defend yourself. And Jen goes, well, why do I defend Tamara? And they all go, we don't know. That's the million dollar question. They're trying to pull her out. Like, get in this scene. Let's make magic happen on this housewife show. And Emily says, how many napkins have to be slammed in your face before you actually say something negative about Tamara? It's clearly more than one. She says that in a talking head, but it's a great line. Tamara screams. She's like, I need a Xanax and tequila because I'm ready to lose my shit. And they do a shot of 1942 again at the bar with a stranger. And Emily back at the other table points out, well, you know, Heather, you're the one who has a phony relationship with Tamara. So now we've gotten off Jen and we're now pointing fingers at Heather Dubro. And Heather's like, I don't feel like I have a phony relationship with Tamara. And by the way, this is the point where I was like, has everyone signed Max's card yet? We need to pass it around. She's doing bad at school, you guys. And Emily's like, uh, yeah, you do. It's the fakest bullshit I've ever seen. I spent all last season sitting across from you at Javier's, that Mexican restaurant, having conversations with you. And now you act like you're friends with Tamara. It's so funny. And it hurts my feelings. Emily in a talking head goes, I think Heather is afraid of Tamara because she can be very nasty and no one wants to go through that. And as soon as Tamara came back around, Heather wasn't interested in anyone but Tamara. And then we get a cutaway to a flashback of a scene with Gina and Emily. And Gina's like, she didn't want anything to do with, with Tamara. And now she does. And then Emily to Gina goes, we need a change of address form for Heather Dubrow that says Tamara's ass on the line. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. That's a good, that's good to change it. That's funny. And Gina goes, the problem is... We're back in this scene. Since Tamara has been around, you've been fucking up a lot, Heather, and I'm questioning if our friendship is authentic or not. Spoiler alert. It is not. Spoiler alert for all the ladies. It is not with none of these are authentic relationships. Are you getting the memo? Tamara is the only one that gets it. None of these relationships are authentic. You are on television. And when you buy into the authenticity of these relationships, it helps the show, but it hurts you personally. 
period. Jen is learning the hardest lesson of all right now. And I'm excited to see if she toughens up and I think she can get there. And Gina's like, oh, I'm upset because I really feel like we're friends. And I feel like we are really close. But, you know, you guys, you were talking shit about your career instead of taking care of me in Montana. And I came to you, Heather. And Heather goes, I understand what you're saying, but let me respond. If someone was shit-talking your law career, Emily, and Emily goes, which Tamara has done, but she goes, but that is who you are. So that's where I was at with all of this in regards to my acting. And Gina goes, but then I come to you and I tell you to open your eyes about Tamara and you fucking sell me out and tell Tamara. And Heather goes, I asked her point blank and she said she didn't do that. What am I supposed to do? And Gina goes, trust your friends. Isn't that, I'm telling you, this is a real thing for me. Now I'm, I'm logging stuff. I'm logging stuff in my head, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking back, is Heather really my friend or not? Oh my God, you got Gina logging things now. She's logging moments in her head. Gina's logging in. Tamara walks back and she's like, Shannon, I don't know if I want to go back to this. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want you back, Shannon. Oh, sorry, Tamara. And Shannon's like, I know you don't, but you know, let's just be evolved. Let's sit down. And Gina's like, oh, I'm honestly upset because you're different, Heather. You're just trying. I, I don't know what it is. If you're, if, you know, if you're trying to manage this relationship between Shannon and Tamara, which by the way, Shannon and Tamara come in at this moment, they're sitting down and Gina's like, oh, I'm getting left out. And Heather goes, I understand, but maybe you need to understand. I have personal issues that are coinciding with these other issues you may want to consider. And Gina's like, well, you may want to consider leaning on your friends, lean on us. And Tamara's like, what's going on? What's going on? And the acting teacher's like, they feel like Heather is not authentic anymore. And Jen, by the way, Jen, you can catch Jen just glaring at Tamara. It's really funny. She's like, Ugh. and then Tamara sees this kind of at the corner of her eye and Tamara goes, Jen, I'm livid. I'm telling you that right now. I'm sorry for throwing the napkin, but I am livid. It's a brilliant move by Tamara. So Tamara knows that she fell off the handle and the onus is on her. But Tamara sees that Jen is like pissy. And so immediately, instead of like going, oh my God, Jen, I'm so sorry. I don't know why she goes, I'm livid. Sorry about the napkin, but I am livid. So once again, Tamara makes her the head person. It's really amazing. And Jen goes, this is bullshit. You know, this is bullshit. You know, take your napkin back and clean up your own mess. Which, by the way, she says this in a talking head and she throws a napkin at the camera. I'm like, Jen, I don't need this in a talking head. I need you to say this in Tamara's face. And Gina's, uh, Gina's still going on, by the way. This is uh, Gina's still going on. Like, well, Heather, when I told you about getting my real estate license, you brought up Nick, your 18-year-old son. And Emily goes, Gina thinks you diminish her uh, accomplishments as an adult and you were comparing her to your 18-year-old son. And that's ridiculous because her 18-year-old son is way ahead of where Gina <laughs> no, is. Heather goes, I took it too far. I thought I was being helpful. I obviously crossed the line. And Gina's like, you need to see it. Yeah. And Heather's like, I hear you. I will work on that and I will fix it. 
And Emily gets up for some reason. And then Gina, the talking head goes, I'm glad the hood me all, all the, you know, all these gifts she gets will not mean anything. If I don't think she's a good friend. I like that. She's like, not these silver, uh, num- these silver chopsticks. It's, it's these gifts. It's the, you know, I need the gift of friendship. And the acting teacher goes, this is good. This is good. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Acting teacher. And Shannon's like, can I say that Gina and I spoke and Heather is like Shannon. And I was like, "Uh Oh, is Heather upset that Shannon's speaking again? And, and then Shannon's like, what? And Heather's like, Terry just texted me something, but maybe I should tell you in private. David's getting divorced. And Shannon's like, I, I know he's getting a divorce. And Tamara now brings her chair to sit in between Shannon and Gina. And like, you can tell Tamara's like hammered. And Shannon's like, I'm telling a story right now. And Tamara's like, David's getting a divorce. And it's like, yeah, Terry just texted her. You just found out. And then they're like, today is their anniversary date. And Shannon's like, he filed for divorce with that other woman on our anniversary. Isn't that weird? In a talking head, uh, Shannon's like, I-, I hear rumblings that things aren't going well, but I, I, you know, I don't need them going through some big thing, some big legal thing that's going to take money away from my kids. She steps away to call her daughter. And Emily's like, it's sad, you know, because the kids, it's always sad for the kids. And now she's on phone with her daughter, Sophie. And she's like, so your dad, is he, he's the one who filed. And she's like, yeah, dad's the one that filed. And she's like, you should call your dad, Sophie. And Sophie's like, I don't want to call him. You call your dad, Sophie, and see how he's doing. This has to be really, really hard. And this is interesting. Shannon is completely sympathetic to David's side. And that really fascinates me because you know, what did you guys make of this scene? Did you thought it was a little weird? Like, wow, she's standing up for David. Like, what does she know? Is old feelings. You would think that Shannon potentially would be on the lady's side. Like maybe she is dealing with the same issues with David that I dealt with with David. It's really fascinating, this conversation. And it's those things of like, don't make your Sophie, like let Sophie's got a good head on her shoulders for the most part. And let, you know, like, don't, yeah. You know, if you want to say something to David, you say it to David. And Sophie goes, I just think it's harder for the baby, which is exactly right. You know, Sophie, if anybody needs to call the baby, if the baby has a cell phone. Anyways, Taylor goes, the black cod is the best here. It's like candy. Taylor in a talking head goes, I keep wondering if the girls dinner we're going to will have food. The waiters are scared to approach the table. I'm starving. Like they've literally been here and there's no food on the table. And Emily's like, well, this was fun. And all of a sudden, like Heather's like, the Wagyu, the Wagyu is coming out. We will flambe that shit. Let's go. Everyone eat nice. They put the flambe, the meat, it goes up in flames. And that is the end of this scene. They finally got to eat the Nobu fish and meat. So that was an excellent episode. I was so happy with that. I really, really enjoyed it. Did you guys like it as well? Let me know. Um, Oh my goodness. If you're watching this on YouTube, I know I look crazy. But anyways, remember to rate and review the podcast. Sign up for the Patreon. Thank you for all of your support. More episodes will be coming this week. If you subscribe, you will know exactly when those episodes come out. I love you and I'll talk to you later. Betches.